by the dreadful day of judgment, by the face of the divine majesty, and by the four beasts before the throne, by the fire which is about the throne, I conjure and command thee, O Prince of Darkness, in the name of him who spake, and it was done, Satan, Lucifer, appear forthwith and show yourself to me. Gotta have that unholy water. Host, shoot. Gotta have it. A video nasty, 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 a video nasty. Welcome to It's a Nasty World, where we explore the world of censored cinema and the video nasties. I am Elmo415. And I'm Ashley McNasty. And today we will be checking out the 1981 horror film Evil Speak, which was a section one video nasty. So before we go on, I just want to say one reason I'm really excited about this episode is that if you look at the cover art for this podcast, this is the movie that the cover art was based on. So I've been really stoked to do this one. Oh yeah, no, by far, it's like if you take a look through all of the covers of the video nasties and related films, uh, this one, this is one of the few that really sticks out, and then it's like, oh, this is like a, this has like cool ass art to it, and like a really cool design to it, and that's where I decided to like realize like, oh, I can I can use this in some way and kind of make some modifications to it and kind of make it our own. But there was something about it that just has, totally just has the attitude I was looking for for, uh, for our uh, cover art. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it kind of encapsulates like this youth looking into the screen and, you know, a lot of it is, is a young kid looking into a screen at something he shouldn't be looking at. So I think it, yeah, that, that, that video cover was definitely captures the video nasty vibe. I was just thinking more of just like, yes, haha, I'm using the computer to look at thing, look at evil things, and this is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. More degeneration. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. But by the way, Ashley McNasty, you did a great job on that cover art. Oh, so thank you very much. I wanted to um, I wanted to give you some uh, compliments about that before we get started, and for that that specific reason, I've been. Really Really excited to do this episode in particular due to what a cool cover that really is yeah and luckily this film uh it's it, it does not disappoint um in terms of uh how cool the cover art is versus uh the quality of the film uh it's like oh you know what? this one wasn't bad yeah, a lot of uh, video nasties will have like these really amazingly cool looking covers, super gruesome, usually awesome artwork and great visuals on the cover. And then when you watch the actual movie itself, it's super disappointing. But this one, the the I think the film itself definitely lives up to the cover you see. Yeah, it's uh, it's very it's like it's kind of a this one's a little. 
know, it's kind of an unusual film because it's it's doing this it's doing like the classic hooded satanist tropes um but then it's also combining it with you know it's like the fancy newfangled computers of the 80s you know just like okay so we're going cyber satanism and in a way that kind of like it, it strangely works uh for as thin as that premise is <laughs> yeah and um yeah and i don't think there was really very many computer-based horror movies back then and it seemed like computers weren't really even being used that much when the movie was made no i wouldn't think so i mean i think maybe the closest thing and this is a stretch by the way like the closest thing you might get to this was that matthew broderick movie war games uh which like is about a potential nuclear conflict that gets started by a um computer running a simulation that's hooked up to like the pentagon's network so it seems like the soviet union is attacking the united states when in actuality it's just some kid in his bedroom playing what he thinks is a game <laughs> Oh, and it's like, yeah. yeah, it's not a horror movie by any means, but it's like, eh, it's a horrific scenario. I think that was like 1979. So it's like, it's somewhere, it's like, it's a, it was made around, or 1980, it was made right around this time. But it's like, yeah, like a computer as a major plot point in the film. I don't, I mean, there probably were some by this point in the 80s, and it's 81. But yeah, it's like, more, it's like, it's truly central to the actual like plot of the film. Eh, probably not that many. Yeah, and I mean, this, we won't have a super extensive content warning. I mean, it's, there's basically a lot of blood and Satanism, but when this movie came out was definitely an era of satanic panic and, um, you know. Yeah, I think the satanic panic had, um, I, I forget the exact dates of like when it truly started with the, uh, was it the disappearance of that one kid? Um, I think he was like went to Harvard and then like the, turns out he was, like, they, they blamed it on Dungeons and Dragons, but it turns out just because he was closeted and was uh, basically sneaking into, like, the uh, service tunnels under the school to get high on heroin uh, mm, to deal yeah. with being closeted. And that's really what caused his death, not so much the Dungeons and Dragons that he was also yeah. into. Yeah. And, and the, but it was upon his that kid's uh, kind of disappearance and death and then I think the private investigator, the family pub, uh, family hired, published a book about the whole event, and that kind of really got the whole thing going. But yeah. I think by I think that had happened by this point. So now it's like, okay, this is really ripe because this film does like all the big satanic uh, tropes. Like you got the hooded figures, you got like pentagrams fucking everywhere blood sacrifices it's like dungeons <laughs> yeah and i think the lore to this movie was probably extended so i guess apparently uh the guy who started the church of satan really vied with this movie which i'm sure made um made um a lot of mystique towards this movie too later on because i also knew a lot of um people um when i was in middle school who liked this movie and were also like kind of obsessed with the whole Anton LaVey Satanist culture and they were into like death metal and black oh, metal cool. and they so were So like they were actually like into this movie kind of because of the endorsement. Yeah, I think oh, that's that was yeah, I a couple people I knew that actually told me about this movie. Um yeah, they were really into like the satanic Bible and stuff and uh death metal and satanic kind of metal stuff. So yeah. and I think they um 
they found out about this movie through the endorsement and they watched it and then so I had seen this movie a long time ago I really enjoyed it then and I can say I actually really enjoyed it uh, now it still holds up today for oh, me personally yeah no it's a very enjoyable film but I do like let's talk a little bit about the uh, Church of Satan connection with this film because mostly it's it's a little bit difficult to actually find where Anton LaVey said that yeah I'm into this movie I guess apparently it's in an authorized biography of him written by Blanche Barton his uh his wife and I don't really care to read that because frankly if you know anything about Anton LaVey a bunch of the shit he said about his life is just completely made up and fabricated yeah you can say it makes for a good story but it's also like well I mean I don't know it's just like it's just Church of Satan propaganda so I mean the guy isn't like a complete scumbag the way that like L. Ron Hubbard was but he's also like eh, he's a bit of a scoundrel <laughs> yeah it was um in well, because in the Wikipedia that I, I was reading about this movie, they mentioned Anton LaVey uh, like this movie in the Wikipedia. So I started doing some more digging into Anton LaVey and I was reading more and more about him. And I'm like, the more I read about him, the less cool he seems. Oh, yeah, seriously. And I'll link this in the show notes. Uh, but a very good podcast, uh, Black Mass Appeal, uh, run by Satanic Bay Area who are uh, very chill people. I've actually got to go to a couple meetings with them kind of before the pandemic happened. Mostly just kind of a cool, like, occultish, atheist uh, kind of reading group, essentially. Technically, it's like a, somewhat affiliated with the Satanic Temple, which is a different organization from the Church of Satan, um, who have um, some words about old Anton. And uh, they have one episode in particular that I definitely want to link in the show notes about his book, The Satanic Witch. And, oh boy, do you get to find out some interesting, uh, some of his very interesting social views in that. Yeah. Well, he hates women. Well, <laughs> yeah, on top of that, I actually just listened to a lot of that podcast today. Not only that, when I was reading about his personal views on stuff, super conservative um bragged yeah. about working with the police anti-drugs yeah he um, hated hippies yeah he was uh, super anti-drug <laughs> uh yes yeah, supports eugenics which that's just to me like i don't know like if my rebellious teenage self knew that i probably wouldn't have thought of him as this you know rebellious anti-system kind of guy but now it's like reading into him i'm like oh my god is this like this guy just seems like, I don't know, like Tucker Carlson or some shit. No, you know? I mean, like, actually, like, legitly, yeah. At this point, like, had it, it did, like, if Anton LaVey existed now, and if, like, the actual satanic imagery was toned down a bit, and maybe they were really using the term Church of Satan, he probably could get in with, like, the libertarian and right wing media fairly well, just because, like, he was against abortion. He was like, it was, it was so, it's so weird, but you like, wait, this guy like really is very conservative. Um, think, we, like technically he wasn't like, I don't think he was like, he, I don't think he was like super against gay people, but it seemed to be like, uh, there's definitely some weird homophobia going on there, which, oh God, the best part, his, uh, I, 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 I think we'll end it right here at the Anton LaVey shit, but, uh, has a very interesting theory regarding people's salad dressing choices 
in relation to their sexual preferences. Uh, it's uh, this is some brain genius shit going on right here. <laughs> yeah. So, and the last thing I'm gonna say about Anton, not based, just not based. <laughs> yeah, this dude is whack. He's whack. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I was gonna let you start off talking about the uh, start the conversation about the movie so, proper. So the mo- when the movie gets started, uh, it's it's uh, it starts off. It is, I guess, somewhere in North America. The Spaniards and the the Spaniards have landed. We have conquistadors with their funny shaped helmets. We have priests and and monks in black robes, and I guess they're in the process of it. I couldn't exactly tell what precisely was going on here, but it seemed like excommunicating one of their own. Yeah. And a, a, a another black-robed monk-like figure who holding a sword and saying, like, you can't say mass anymore. You may not take the Holy Communion. You know, you all these blah, 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 blah. You're not allowed to do this, this, and that. And then it seems like uh, this transition was a little weird but then all of a sudden now he's drawing a sand a pentagram in the sand he and he's doing a black mass on the beach in front of a crowd of um adoring onlookers and other robed figures uh before he basically rips open a woman's shirt and then chops her head off with a sword after doing some black mass shit and then this and then this is great this is actually been good ass editing here as he does the head lop, he just does the total head lop off. The head goes flying, instantly cuts into a soccer ball going to a goal. Boom! We are in present day now at a military academy. <laughs> yeah. Um. One thing I was just thinking about is the excommunication was just like they were they were telling him he's not with the church anymore on on this really nice beach, and it was almost like trying to find a way to break up with him without it being like too heavy of a blow towards his ego or something (laughs) like letting him down easy i was like oh that's very nice of them they just kind of like they're like well we're gonna take you to this nice beach and stuff (laughs) with some good scenery so maybe it won't be as harsh i don't know why i just had that thought and i wanted to it's very funny but also we should know this uh this guy's name this monk this priest uh Esteban. <laughs> Esteban. This will become important. Now, I'm just thinking of the guy who... Now, to be fair, every time the name Esteban... They don't really say the name a lot, but the name appears quite a bit in the film. appears on the screen. Every time it appears, I instantly think of that guy who... That guitar player who would sell guitars on like the Home Shopping Network and like QVC and like instructional dvds named esteban and he basically dressed like zorro minus the mask and we just play like <laughs> classical and flamenco guitar and so just like every time they said esteban i'm just like picturing him but like oh this is esteban going metal it, did did he used to have like commercials on tv for like oh, yeah. cds and dvds yes yeah this is like in the 90s and the early 2000s this guy was like big he was all over tv Okay, because when you first um, told me about Esteban, I was like, I was like, I didn't know what you're talking about. When when you showed me pictures of this person, I was like, oh, that looks familiar. I feel like I'd seen this character yeah. somewhere. You should definitely pause this and Google Esteban guitar player, 
and then see what comes back and you're like, oh shit, oh this is amazing. Yeah, and and I can't stress to you, he dresses like Zorro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I swear I used to see his like commercials on TV. And oh stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, like if you're watching TV in the '90s, you have you yeah. had to have seen at least one or two of them. Yeah, because um, yeah, I think I used to see him when I would watch uh, Baywatch for Pamela Anderson when I was a kid. Because why else was any dude? That is like the most '90s. It's the most '90s thing of all time that you just said. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I saw some Esteban commercials while I was watching Baywatch because Pamela Anderson was the hottest woman on television. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Definitely had a crush on Pam back in the day. I mean, man, I still do. But you facts. Know. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Pamela Anderson. Yeah, shout out to Pamela Anderson. We know you're listening. Listening. <laughs> oh, Pamela, yeah. Pamela, come on the podcast. <laughs> yes. We want it, we want to hear your opinions. All right, we'll do whatever movie you want. Yeah. All right. Just like, but you you gotta come out here. All right. We're and, we're not going to Paris. And I love barbed wire. I don't care what they say. I love that movie. No, that movie's lit. <laughs> yeah, that movie's lit. I it's, like that movie. Everybody uh, everybody else I've talked to hates that no, movie. Barbed wire is something kind of special because it's not if you think about it. It straight up is. Barbed wire is the plot of Casablanca, but the main genders are swapped. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's like, I, I don't mean like, oh, it's ripping off. No, no. It is Casablanca. It is an official adaptation of Casablanca. So it's <laughs> like, like, okay, we're just like, we're just going to go all in. And then Pamela Anderson's playing the Bogart role. So, yeah. yes. Sorry. Back to this movie. <laughs> we got a little <laughs> sidetracked. What? I mean, what? We can't bring up barbed wire and not talk about it. That's very true. Um, so back to the movie. So so, so we have a so sorry. Now we have we have cut to present day. We have uh, is a soccer game being played at a uh, military academy. Uh, so we have our main character Cooper Smith. Uh, I don't know what his first name is. It doesn't really come up a whole lot. Everyone almost exclusively refers to him as Cooper Smith. Yeah. Well. The actor is Clint Howard, and yeah. yeah, he's he's pretty awesome. I've seen him in some stuff. I think he's an awesome actor. No, no, he's great. And to be fair, he's pretty good in this. Yeah. You know, considering everything is. And so, instantly, it's the, the uh, soccer game. Uh, his, his, I think, was it has their team lost or he didn't do very well? Yeah. Something, it, something along those lines. And so, immediately, we cut to a shower scene. And somewhere in there is revealed that Cooper Smith has uh, dead parents because the bully, the main bully named Bubba, um, begins mocking him for having dead parents. That's weird because, I mean, and also, when, I'm, yeah. when I'm watching that, I was thinking about it. I was like, I remember middle schoolers being like super mean, but like. I felt like dead parents was like a line you didn't really cross. Like even if you hated someone, you wouldn't go, "Ha ha, your dad's dead." Ha, ha, I mean, that's a pretty low blow to get away with. I mean, I even feel like he, like their friends would like kind of really do like dead parent dude. That's like yeah. crossing a line, dude. Yeah. But also, I want to say about the main the main villain slash bully of this film, and this is like classic eighties bully activity. You know, uh, he's missing the, like, you know, neon, you know, he's missing the, uh, like, the, like, the polo shirt with the popped collar because they're at Military Academy. If they weren't, he would totally be wearing that. But his name is Bubba, and it does not fit his appearance or personality. Yeah. He should have a much waspier name. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, he should be named Brent. 
I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. He's a Brent. I don't know. He's I a mean, Brent. He's I'm a... sorry for any Brents listening, but when I watch, the, when I think about this bully character, just Brent would be a better name for him than Bubba. He seems like a Brent. No, but it's almost like a classic like frat boy name. He's like he's a he's a Chad. He's a Tyler. He's a Trent. He's a you know. It's like <laughs> he's like one of those type of like oh yeah yeah yeah. You could get away with that, but either way, so. Already we know this guy. He he's the he's the orphaned kid. He's been you know he's here basically on like a you know scholarship for the unfortunate, and yeah they kept calling him like a welfare case in his bullying too. They're like yeah. they're like oh I bet you're on welfare. I'm like like they're picking like really sad things to make fun of him. Not not like oh he's some geek who like reads comic books or is like awkward around girls. They're no. like you're on welfare and your parents are dead. <laughs> Like, no, it's like, it's really, it's like, oh man, you gave this guy like a really sad backstory here. <laughs> like, uh, like we're kind of going a little bit hardcore already, yeah. but it's so, and then, so we also see that like, okay, for whatever reason, he's been getting into trouble recently, even though he's supposed to be a good student, just bad things keep happening to him and he keeps getting in trouble. And so he's been put on, uh, like destitute, a bunch of shit, different chores and well, he's on cleanup duty, so he has to go to the, to the chapel and to the school chapel and clean out the basement, which is like this huge dungeon area. And we all we see that there is a painting of a creepy monk in the chapel who I think is implied to be Esteban. Yeah, and when he goes down to clean up the basement, there's like a fetus in a jar, a bunch of like spooky candles and torches and like statues of pig masks or something like it's and it looks like a super medieval like prison down there yeah, like, this is it's like a weird looking this place. is like it, it straight up looks like if you just put a bunch of lab equipment this would be like frankenstein's laboratory it's yeah like, like literally from like the frankenstein movies like from the 30s it, it, it's that level of dungeon like complete with torches and he finds a secret dungeon no that's right because this is like, the basement's already weird and creepy with tons of stone bricks everywhere. But then he finds a secret, a secret dungeon further in the cellar. And this is like, it's got torches and like, it, it's it's totally like, oh yeah, there is like definitely like a demon lives here. You know, like yeah. that's the vibe. And so, yet. Uh, yeah, and there, the the little fetus twitch I thought was oh, yeah, really creepy. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the fetus, yeah, the little fetus in the jar, they have it kind of twitch and move, and so once again proving that you know life begins at conception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know this arm comes out of the wall, grabs him, and then well, he, that's revealed to be a bad dream though. That's revealed to be a bad dream. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there was that. So yeah, yeah they're, they're kind of they're giving us a little, they're juicing us a little bit. They're giving us a little bit of horror here before you know, even though nothing's really happened yet. But uh, this movie actually, I gotta say, at this point, this is actually relatively early in the movie, and the movie moves along at a relatively good clip. There's like yeah. a couple lulls in the middle, but as a whole, it's like it it it, it moves its plot along. Well, especially for an early '80s, because you know, with some of these video nasties and. And movies in that time frame, usually the 
I mean, not usually, but there's very... Uh, Actually, bit, usually. Usually. There's really bad pacing in older movies where it just kind of drags on, but this movie knows how to get to the point. Well, I think, we know why we're here very quickly. Yeah. Well, I think this movie was made... This movie was made by Warner Brothers. So I think, and like, yeah, you were saying, like, yeah, it's... This is this actually is like a you know it's made by a large studio. Uh, I don't think the budget of it was particularly big, but it certainly wasn't shoestring the way that a lot of these things are. It was just made by people just trying to make a movie. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. it's like yeah, you can tell there actually is a bit of production value being put into this, and they're like you know the acting is you know it's like it's better than most other films on these kind of lists. Yeah. Yeah, I there usually in these video nasties there's usually some very laughable bad acting, but I can't think of a character that turned in like a bad performance. I mean, it's not like award-winning, but it's definitely decent enough acting to get the ball rolling. It's perfect for this movie. Yeah, right. And so so let's see. So at this point so uh, Cooper Smith has, our main character Cooper Smith has uh, gone into this strange dungeon basement, and he has found a a leather bound book with a pentagram on it. This is, of course, as we've seen earlier, Esteban's Satanic Grimoire, with you know full of Latin phrases and uh, incantations. So, of course, you know Cooper Smith is in a Latin class. So he goes to the school library and begins entering, um, begins typing in some of the incantations he's found and gives him a translation. It's like, oh, goodness, wow, this is a satanic spell. So, of course, he manages to bring a computer down to the basement and begins trying to, uh, was it summon the devil, I think? Yeah, yeah, he types in some of the spells, and there's some, like, translation, because it starts off in Latin, and then he uh, ty- he types it in, and the computer translates it, and it's all this uh, satanic stuff. And um, we de- I've decided in this universe that is not the satanic Bible, because Anton LaVey sucks, and I'm yeah. just randomly dropping that again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's not the Satanic Bible, though, because, like, the Satanic... Well, I mean, go ahead. The, the actual... The, the Satanic Bible that we know in our world has, like, a very... Like, it's a paperback book with, like, a big old pentagram on it, but it strips just says the Satanic Bible across it, and it's also mostly cribbed from another book called uh, Might is Right, sometimes also published as the Book of Power, written semi-anonymously by a guy named Ragnar Redbeard, who ended up being... Turned out, turns out he was an Australian socialist, which is really weird considering that it's basically a libertarian book. So, eh, I don't really know how to parse that. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's another thing. Anton LaVey basically just cribbed the entire Satanic Bible from another book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I took up even no, more no, time no, no, to no, bash no. on Anton LaVey. No, I, I'm, I always have time to bash on Anton LaVey. Oh, okay, cool. He yeah, is the phoniest of balonies. I want, yeah, I don't want the Satanic Bible. I want that Satanic book that Cooper had. Yeah, the Grimoire. The Grimoire, yeah. It's it's got a really cool cover. Like, the pentagram that's on it is, like, Oh, really yeah, no, cool it's, it's not just, like, a pentagram it's carved in it's a metal pentagram with like jewels that's set into it yeah it's like oh this is like this is dope <laughs> so either way he he has so cooper smith has this uh spell this like book of spells and he's been ever get for whatever reason he's fucked up again for 
something he's been late to class or he's done something wrong and so i guess his like whoever like the principal the general the commanding officer of his basically like he has him come into his office and pulls out a riding crop and says you know basically assume the position and starts you know like <laughs> whipping his ass and it's yeah, it starts basically beating his ass with his riding crop, and they don't actually show it, but they show the very, very hot secretary outside. She's, like, hearing this and, like, has this, like, mm, grin yeah. on her face. Be like, and, like, wow, you're really into the concept of a child being abused in the other room. <laughs> are they children? Because it's, it's a little unclear as to whether this is, like, a military prep school academy that's like a high that's like a high school or if this is like a military academy that's a college yeah they never really actually get into how old the the people there they never really state it i'm gonna assume it's like the college it really could be a high school it's it's they don't they don't make that clear but it's not that necessary for a movie about satan coming through a computer and pigs eating people like this movie is just really cool like i don't think it has to make that much sense for it to no be awesome. it really doesn't <laughs> but uh either way either way she has she's like hearing this like okay well something's going on she ends up finding so cooper smith has accidentally dropped his book uh the secretary ends up finding this book she's like oh hello what's going on here mm-hmm. so and so like sees the pentagram on it and starts trying to pry it off now at this point this is a little like cooper smith has now been commanded okay yeah you got your beating now go clean up our pig sties so yeah. while he's doing that she's trying to pry this off and this has enraged enraged the sows and yeah, the, the pigs are beginning to frenzy and break their and break through the uh, uh the fencing that's keeping them in yeah and yeah, and then she like uh, cuts her finger trying to open the book, and then the, the uh, I think blo- I think she bleeds, and then the pigs. She goes to take a bath, and oh, that's know. right. No, no, that happens a little bit later. But a little that, bit later. Oh, yeah, sorry. but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, eventually she she does do that later. Well, hang on, we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Huh. Um, so at this point, also now it's like Cooper Smith has gone. You know, he's the last person in the mess hall. The chef decides to go cook him a steak so he doesn't go hungry for the night. You know, shows him, you know, the chef shows him also like, hey, check this out. My dog just had a litter of puppies. And so Cooper Smith, of course, finds the run to the litter and takes and adopts him. And the dog, and they basically just almost say in the movie, this dog is a metaphor for you, Cooper Smith. (laughs) (laughs) And also, it's a metaphor for capitalism, too. It's like, yeah. this small dog has got to be scrappy and fight its way out of here. <laughs> so, what uh, the bullies end up, like, uh, in back in, like, the dungeon basement. Yeah. Uh, dressing in their robes. Dressing in some of the robes and animal masks they find down there. They, they start messing and fucking with Cooper Smith after he thinks he's successfully performed um, this ritual. And so, also, this is important the he's assembled all of the ingredients he needs for this ritual except for two things a consecrated host aka eucharist the little cracker thing they have in church 
Um, you know, when they say crash on a cracker, it's crackery's on. Um, oh. And then, uh, blood. Yeah. I've never eaten a Christ cracker. Have you? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I grew up Catholic and you know, mm, we went yeah. to church a shit ton. So, yeah, you know, you can, we can buy those on Amazon. You can just get Christ cookies? Yeah. I mean, they're not blessed, but I, like. I thought those are like special cookies that like only like priests could get or something. No, exactly. See, the internet has rented that, you know, we should, we should do it. We should, we should order some Eucharists after this. <laughs> I know. Legit. We have to do something really blasphemous, like while eating them. Like we gotta do something really blasphemous. I don't know what that is yet, but we're gonna have Christ crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I'm loving this. <laughs> so, so, so sorry. Backing up, backing up. So he he gets a uh, he gets a Eucharist and. I think he ends up, uh, I forget what blood he thinks he uses, but it's, whatever it is, it's it's not actual blood or it's not real blood. And so the, the incantation doesn't really work, but he is led to believe it it has because the bullies go and attack and knock him out uh, when they're dressed in the uh, spooky robes and animal masks and then leave before he comes to. Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny when, after they pranked him and they left, he didn't realize that it was the bullies in robes. And he's like, oh my god, it worked! <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's great. That was and pretty then, funny to me. <laughs> and then this is awesome. This is like the coolest part in the movie. Is that it cuts back over to the computer he has in this dungeon. And it does like the classic like 80s old school computer grid as lines begin to swirl you know to swirl around on this grid you know forming an intricate pattern that eventually has five sides a pentagram forms yeah. it's like pentagram pentagrams within pentagrams boom 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 mm-hmm. comes on then the name across the screen esteban esteban yeah. and honestly this should be like esteban's metal turn like when he comes out you know before he comes out onto stage the crowd is pumped. They are trying to see Esteban live in concert doing metal for the first time. All of a sudden, the stage goes black. This scene from the film airs. The pentagram comes on the stage. The name Esteban comes onto screen. He comes out. <clears throat> oh, and another thing. Anton LaVey didn't even like heavy metal. Not based. No, this is true. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You you were just fucking clap chasing, man. Yeah, it's the right. only reason you let uh, King Diamond and Marilyn Manson into the church in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Not based. Not based at all. Not based. <laughs> King Diamond, very based. Marilyn Manson. Not based, but not for those reasons. More for um. Turns out he was he's as bad as R. Kelly. <laughs> we'll save that for another time. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Back to the movie. I'm like the distractor of this uh, podcast. It's fine. It's fine. We're we're padding the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. this. I mean, the nice part about this movie is. It moved that for a good clip, and it's only an hour and a half. So we're actually looking for like, hey, a quick bang for you know, just quick bang for a nice uh, kind of '80s devil film. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, so of course we do have to pad this a little bit because uh, it's a short film. Yeah. So uh, so then we have um, 
Oh, yeah, so this entire film, we forgot to say, there's been this kind of, like, dr I, I don't know if they really properly identified the guy. They Someone referred to him as a sergeant, but kind of, like, the drunken janitor, essentially, who's kind of revealed to maybe be, like, a down-and-out sergeant, you know, who, like, doesn't even wear his uniform anymore. He's just constantly smashed. Yeah, he you know, like, What are you down doing down here, Cooper? No one told me you're supposed to be down here, you know, and, like, and just acting like a complete asshole to Cooper Smith. Yeah, he seems like he lives a life of living in the basement of a church in, like, this little dingy room, just, like, with a small bed drinking whiskey No, no, by yeah, himself. this is the guy, like, he, like, he, like, like sleeps on a cot yeah. in, like, the basement. Like, okay, so, you know Scruffy from Futurama, who's the janitor at Planet Express? It's, like, he basically just lives in a broom closet and sleeps <laughs> yeah. on a cot and just, like, looks at his porno magazines just like <laughs> you know just like casually flipping through them you know this is essentially this guy but he's just completely smashed and a total asshole yeah and it, it's so he's actually kind of periodically been in the movie throughout throughout this point and now it's like this guy has kind of come to him and you know he the drunk sergeant he he picks up the picks up Cooper Smith's puppy and kind of makes like he's going to kill it. And was it now just Cooper? Yeah, Cooper, Cooper Smith kicks him in the, he kicks him, kicks him in the, the dick. He yeah. kicks him in the nuts. But then I think like there's some, some sort of satanic spell happens and he, the guy goes full fucking, fucking exorcist and his head twists all the way around. Yeah. I was very satisfied. Cause I was like, you were just going to dead ass, like break this dog's neck. Like, and I want to let you know, this is, like, the cutest little dog ever. Like, oh when God. he was, like, I wanted to jump through the screen and, like, just stop him from manhandling that cute little furry friend. I was so mad. No, they they, they found the perfect dog to tug at your heart heartstrings. Yeah, this dog is so cute. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh, it's a winner. You see, it's, it's one of those dogs you start making baby noises when you see it. Exactly, yeah. So... Yeah, you really, it's like, okay, so this guy basically gets his own neck, neck snapped by satanic power, but then Cooper Smith is kind of left with this dead body here, and he tries to go and tell someone about it, but they just reprimand him from being late to the game, and so eventually he just has to go back down and try and figure out what to do, which of course, he finds another secret room within he and finds a secret room within the secret room and it's full of skeletons which i think are real but ashley mcnasty thinks they're props but a lot of movies in the 80s used um real skeletons to save money so well, my thought was that they're they're props because this is a studio picture but at the same time but poltergeist used i was i was about to say that you're right poltergeist used real skeletons and that was a studio picture yeah so <laughs> sorry to interrupt no 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 not at all no it's true it's like that was a that was a steven spielberg production and they cut costs by using real skeletons very so, spooky <laughs> yeah extra spooky uh so it's like you know I, I am convinced yeah these might be real skeletons yeah i, yeah. Th I think they're real so then we have uh uh after we so he basically is able to put the drunk sergeant's body in this room and they could basically just conceal the, the dead guy so now we cut back to the secretary at her house classic 80s style she begins to disrobe <laughs> 
Yeah, and this is uh, pre-internet porn, so I'll, I noticed one thing in the 80s, a lot of boobs in 80s movies to sell more tickets, see a hot actress, you know, boobs out, but I feel like in this day and age, you can go on Twitter and get free porn at this point, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, Twitter's ripe with it. <laughs> yeah yeah so but yeah but it so, was like the 80s thing to do oh, yes. was always to have like or it's like yeah we'll put some boob shots in it then the world the word will get around that there's boobs in this movie and then people will buy more tickets to see the hot ladies boobs you know it's very 80s i mean it's very it's peak 80s boobs too and i guess the actress uh we watched some interviews with some of the people involved in it and i guess she said that she uh she wanted to do this, but she was uncomfortable with the nudity, so she decided to just wear a really sexy thong to the interview, and then basically said, like, hey, I think this would be a lot better if I had a little something on. So, and, and then I guess the uh, the casting directors thought that was a good idea, so she got her way. Yeah, and I, I also wanted to point out that she on her interview, the actress is named Lynn Hancock. Uh, she said that she was excited to get killed by pigs. And I just thought that was like, it just sounded badass. Be like, be like, there's a movie where I get eaten by pigs. Can I be in it? This looks amazing. No, see, I, that's my favorite type of actor or actress is the one like who just like, Oh, something awful gets to happen to me in the film. I'm so down. I'm so down. <laughs> yeah. That looks like, like the, the prima donna, like usually like action stars. Like, no, no, no. I don't want to play a bad guy. I can't play bad guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I, I can't have anything humiliating happen to me on screen because everyone will know it's happening to me, the real person, not the character I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is so weird when you when you find like for real you give a sh it's like you you know this is pretend right yeah, this is you don't actually die and no one thinks <laughs> this is actually happening to you yeah but if if your friends and family are that stupid to not know that movies aren't real that might be a whole nother issue right you need to deal with so <laughs> The Matrix, it was real. It was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> but was uh, 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 so so she disrobes and gets into uh, gets into the bathtub uh, before trying one more time to get the pentagram off of this uh, grimoire, and she cuts herself in the process. This send sends the the pigs at the uh, the local farm into a frenzy. To the point where 30 to 50 wild hogs burst into her room, burst into her um, uh, uh, house and gore and eat her in the uh, shower. And some pretty decent practical effects in this one. It's not super gory or anything, but what you do see is like, oh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I think it's really original that, they're, that they use pigs as a horror trope because... A lot of uh, movies use like certain animals for scary scenarios, but how many how many killer pig movies can you even think of? I mean, you know? Hannibal, but Hannibal also sucks. But, but not it, the show, the movie. Well, the thing is, is the the thing with with in the in the Hannibal movie is that the pigs are being tricked into doing this. But what about pigs on their own volition, just wanting to eat? Uh, humans because no, hannibal conditions them to want to eat humans these 
these hogs come out and eat people with no... They're just killer hogs. Killer hogs, yeah. How many movies can you 30 think to of? 50 feral hogs. Yeah, thir- 30 this to 50 feral hogs. This is why I need AR-15s, because what happens if 30 to 50 feral hogs come uh, barreling through my backyard? How am I supposed to defend my family? Yeah, well, it's time to strap up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but no, uh, what other movies have used hogs? Um, the... The only things that come to mind literally are, and not in the way you're talking about, but it's literally like Hannibal and then was it Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? But they were just using no, no, the... not Lock, Stock, Snatch. It was it was one of those Guy Ritchie films. Oh, it wasn't it? They were. It was feeding... the same. It was the same thing. It was used to dispose dead bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what I think seems to be very rare is the idea of the hogs or pigs being the monsters themselves yes that is unusual no and it should happen more they're frightening animals yeah the yeah in this movie they were scary yeah Yeah, these are scary these are these are like yeah pigs with tusks yeah it's like it's it's scary you know they gore the shit out of you yeah so either way here we go uh we then cut to a beauty show uh it's like miss artillery for uh, like i don't uh, whatever it's like if for some reason they're having a beauty show at this all boys school um, yeah that that scene was like kind of uncomfortable because i was also under the impression that they were super young and it was like this is like the equivalent to like i don't know hiring strippers for a high school event you know that you're presenting to the kids or something i can only assume that (laughs) because it's an all boys school they're all force femmed into doing this but you know that's just my head cannon. <laughs> <laughs> so, either way, uh, Cooper Smith starts like starts hitting on the uh, second place contestant, and the bullies pants him in front of her, uh, and so they end up wandering. The bullies and the uh, the girls end up wandering down to the basement and find Cooper Smith's dungeon, and. Uh, eventually Bubba, the main bully, uh, is attempting to possibly sacrifice the puppy. Oh yeah. And then like, my anger like, ensues. Oh yeah. He's like again. straight up guy's hand on the puppy's neck. He's got a knife next to it. It's like, Oh God, he's like really going to do it. And then he does it. He, they don't show it, but it's like, Oh God, he sacrifices the puppy and it's awful. And then there's a satanic choir that's like playing in it, you know, where it's like the, yeah one thing i thought that was really strange about the uh puppy sacrifice is that he's in front of a bunch of pretty women that he's trying to impress like what kind who who thinks that's game being like i'm trying to get into her pants she'll think i'm so alpha if i kill a puppy like because that's how fucked up that bubba is yeah Bubba has no game. Oh, and this is great no too. No game because on the computer puppy sacrifice screen, is not game. After they, after it's implied that they've killed the puppy, and it, it's it's so funny because the computer keeps saying components for components missing, components <laughs> missing in reference to the uh, satanic um, incantation and ingredients, and it's like consecrated host and blood, and then as it's the the they imply that the puppy is killed they the screen flashes red and it says and the another word forms about blood 
Human blood. Human blood. It's like, I, oh, okay, so that was secret for some reason? Yeah, but, couldn't that have been the first thing if the computer was really trying to get a solid yeah. sacrifice that the blood needs to be human and instead of just, you know, make, killing the dog and making uh, Cooper go all John Wick on everybody? Because, yeah, it's, it's kind of a John Wick vibe because yeah. that's when Cooper really gets into the whole, like, I'm going to create mayhem. Yeah, when he finds out that his... Yeah, he does find out that his dog's been killed. Uh, he does go full John Wick on them. He tells them that, yeah, he's thinking he's back. He starts dressing in an all-black suit. Um, <laughs> and has a huge career comeback. And then eventually uh, makes the Matrix 4. <laughs> no. Okay, no. So he... Uh, he finds um, his Latin teacher has wandered down to uh, the dungeon. He has eventually found it also. Uh, and I guess somehow Cooper Smith gains super satanic strength, even though the incantation hasn't been performed yet, um, and throws his Latin teacher up onto a spiked chandelier. Now, he doesn't throw him on top of of the spiked chandelier he throws him up onto the bottom of the spiked chandelier and he's impaled by the spikes and is just stuck up there instead of like sliding off or just hitting it and then falling back to the ground this this film's is got some questionable physics in this scene in particular it's, it's like hang on am, the, did the, i just see what i saw correctly this is weird the, the yeah the the kills are very awesome but they're not realistic, but I feel like that's okay in this movie. There is kind of a fantasy vibe, you know? You, yeah. You see all, like, the swords and the robes and stuff. There's definitely a very medieval kind of, you yeah. know, fantasy horror feel. So it's almost like you can kind of forgive the movie for being slightly unrealistic at times, you mm -hmm. know? And so at this point, now he has the human blood. And... The, the incantation in the ritual is, is complete. And so Cooper Smith begins to attain his satanic powers. And they show the, uh, the, the chaplain uh, with a bunch of other uh, members of, like, of the, the bully group and a few other members of the uh, school staff are in the chapel kind of like trying to figure out what's going on. And a nail from the crucifix comes out and shoots into the priest's head and killing him instantly. Yeah, I I think... And a very badass move. Yeah, as soon as I saw the nail from uh, Jesus' hand kill someone, I was like, okay, I see... I, I think that may have helped it become a video nasty very quickly because there's yeah. something very sacrilegious about... You know, the idea of Satan using Jesus to kill a priest. Like, it's yeah, a very, it, there's a very, like, yeah, this, if you're super religious, you will not enjoy this movie. <laughs> well, if you're super religious, what the fuck are you doing listening to this podcast? Uh, that's actually very, that's a really good point. <laughs> it's because you're trying to come out of your shell. You're trying to, you're trying to come out. So you should do it. Yeah, Do just it. just watch weird movies. Join us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then we get some like some good head smashing action here. Uh, Cooper Smith eventually kills his like, you know, kind of was it principal, general, commanding officer guy, 
uh, just brings a sword down right on his head, and basically his head just kind of explodes. Yeah, it becomes a bloodbath from there. You you get the hogs back eating the oh, bullies. Yeah. You get decapitation. You get dead bodies everywhere. Like at the the fina- at this you know kind of finale scene in the church. Like you really you really get your buckets of blood. You really get your gore. Like it's it is a very good payoff for this you know for this movie experience. No, that's true. This is this is one of those ones where for the relatively little. Uh, action that happens uh, in the entire lead up to this film it does this film does pay off it's a good it's a good payoff and yeah yeah tons of blood yeah pigs begin to assault and eat the cadets it's it's amazing yeah yeah multiple decapitations and yeah cooper smith just totally goes john wick on the whole situation and does he just like disappear into nothingness or does he die too i forget well they actually you see the church burning down right and then there's that there's this print that comes on the screen talking about what happened to him and that he became catatonic and he's in an asylum and they do this all through a caption at the end yeah (laughs) they just kind of caption it they uh I mean, I don't think there needed He's, to be an asylum scene, though, so... I, I mean, but no, but to be fair, this is one of those, like, oh, this is, like, we don't have... We don't want to build a new set, and we're not going to... We're not going to film on a new set. These are the sets we have, and we're not moving from the locations that we pre-established. So, you know how we're ending this? In a caption, the very lazy way. <laughs> yeah, it's a little lazy. Well, but... this is, this is like, the, uh, the ending of, um... Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. <laughs> yes, yes, where they just, like... He got off on a technicality. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, it, it so has the um, <laughs> the Simpsons, you know, Poochie died on his way back to his home planet vibes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say that, yeah, I mean, aside from that, I think it ended really well. And I liked how they kind of showed to back to the computer that was saying all the evil stuff and then it starts talking about how that's right it's cooper's it, gonna come back yeah they yeah, talk about yeah, instead of saying you know esteban will return cooper smith will, will return which you know what uh, they should have chosen a better name if they wanted to sound like no it's esteban will return versus cooper smith will return <laughs> so well, no like me esteban well i think it worked as a surprise twist you know i suppose it's I like, okay it, so i guess he completed the incantation he took on you know, he took on Esteban's... Yeah, the mantle of Esteban, and now, you know, is Cooper Smith. Yes. Yeah, and... Um, we shall return. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. And, uh, yeah, one other thing I put in my notes, I was watching a... I was watching Q&A with Clint Howard about this movie, and he said that he uh, lost his virginity while making this movie. Not on camera, but I guess he hooked up with someone near the set. On the set, set? Uh, yeah. Yeah, someone near the set. So, yeah, good for Clint Howard, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah. No, it's... uh, I'd say this movie is, like... This is a good... It's, like, it's, it's not, like a super amazing movie. I mean, it is compared to a lot of the nasties we've seen, but I just kind of want to give it its own merit, not necessarily compared to other video nasties. Uh, it's like, it's a pretty good kind of like mid-level uh, 80s horror film. It's definitely like budget-wise, production design-wise, kind of like above a lot of other films of the same time. Like, if you really compare it to like, oh like any of the friday the 13th films that were coming out right around the same time it's like 
it has a way better production value uh, than like any of those films. I mean, not that it's a slasher, but I'm just trying to think of a horror film that came out like in the early '80s like that. Yeah, I would say if you're, you know, if you're not even if you're just curious about the video nasties, like this one, I would just recommend as a movie to watch. Like I, it is this to me is. This movie is a fun time. It's not. It's not. It's not super deep. It's got a pretty, uh, pr- pretty bare bones plot, but it delivers, and it's really fun to watch. So I personally, uh, for my final thought about this movie, I would very much highly recommend this movie to um, to watch for your viewing pleasure. So that's that's my final take on this film. Uh, what would you say? I mean, yeah, this is a good one. I mean. It's weird. I'm trying to, like, figure how exactly I would, like... I don't really believe in doing star ratings, necessarily. I mean, I do them on Letterboxd just because that's how they do them. But, like, I'd say compared to some of the other films we've watched recently, like, I'd say this is, like... I feel like, for me, Prom Night is, like, the kind of perfect, like, three-star film. Where it's, like, it's not amazing, but it's also... Like, it's not a bad movie by any means. This is, like, one step above that. Yeah. That's, like, that's how I put it for me. It's, like, oh, oh it's, like, it's, like, it's one step above that. You're, like, you're not going to be thinking super hard about it. Uh, it's competently made. It's not, like, you know, and it moves along on a nice clip and is pretty entertaining. So, yeah, i definitely say, yeah, this is a, yeah, definitely it's a watch. Yeah. That's a watch for me. Uh, I mean, I definitely, I loved... And frankly, I did love all... I think it's also, like, gotta say, like, why this film definitely was banned. It was, like, in addition to the gore, it was just the sheer amount of, like, Satan stuff in it. And I I do kind of appreciate, like, oh, this is some good, like, satanic panic fuel. Like, Mm -hmm. this, like, this fueled people's overactive imaginations uh, in in that very old-school Hollywood-type way. Just, like, the robed cultist kind of shit. I'm like, yeah, very, yeah. This is, like, the robed cultist film canon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, shout-out to Clint Howard. I think he's a great actor. He actually went on to be in Apollo 13. I didn't even know that till just now. I wanted to throw that in the podcast. Yeah. It has nothing to do with anything, but I just wanted to say yeah, it. Yeah, shout-out to Clint Howard. Shout-out to Pamela Anderson. Yeah, shout-out <laughs> shout to Evil Speak. I love this movie. Shout out to Esteban. Yes, shout out to Esteban. <laughs> Fuck Anton LaVey. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Anton LaVey. Esteban for life. Whoop. All right. <laughs> Stay nasty. Stay nasty.